Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Arm Scholar podcast. I think this is podcast number 12. Um, actually, it might be number 11. I'm not sure. I think it's number 11, actually. Um, sorry I missed the podcast for last week. Um, for those who aren't aware, actually, I took off for Texas and I went to the Gundy's Awards. So a lot of you nominated me for the Gundy's Awards. A ton of you voted for me for the Gundy Awards. Unfortunately, I didn't win this year. Actually, my good friend Jared from Guns and Gadgets won this year. So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, he definitely deserves to win. Uh, he's one of the guys who's been doing it for a long time. So now we're just probably going to be alternating. So I won last year. He won this year. And then maybe I'll win again next year. But um, congratulations to Jared. I was there with him. We are good friends. We hang out all the time. So I was very happy for him that he won. And um, actually, it would have been cool to win two years back to back. But I'm very glad to see him win also. So. For those that aren't aware, that's where I was at last year, or that was why where I was uh, last week, and that's why I didn't get to do the podcast because I was traveling and I was gone for like five or six days in Texas. So, uh, finally getting back on track with the podcast, finally getting back on track with videos and all that. Um, for this podcast, as you can kind of see on the screen, hopefully, um, if I put this up here, what we're going to be trying to talk about is uh, something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about some um, actions that are being taking place right now in the state of California. And really what this is, I think, in regards to is the state of California's fear of some upcoming pro to a decisions by federal court district court judge uh, Roger T. Benitez or St. Benitez, as some call him in the state of California. So in this video, we're going to be talking about just kind of these California cases, some of the common questions I'm getting about these California cases uh, maybe some ways that you could potentially prepare for these. And then also just in general, some of the things that are going on against Judge Benitez. At the time of me probably uh, putting out this podcast, I will probably also do a dedicated uh, video on this, a shorter form video. But I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into all things California right now and what's going on with these cases. So um, first and foremost, let me just kind of do a thousand foot overview of these California cases that are in question and that I get asked about all the time. Um, and I understand because I am a California kind of gun YouTuber. I came up on California content. I'm a California resident. I'm a California gun owner. I'm a California attorney. So a lot of things I do talk about are the state of California, but now the channel has definitely expanded out beyond that. We talk about a lot of other states, uh, federal issues, regulatory issues, uh, a ton of other things. Uh, I talk about Oregon. I talk about New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and just Texas and a ton of other states. Um, but in the state of California right now, the big thing is we're waiting on um, really three major cases. Uh, a fourth one, if you like Billy Clubs, which is the uh, FOTUS case. Um, but really the three main ones is the Duncan v. Bonta magazine ban case, the Miller v. Bonta ban on so-called assault weapons, and then the Rody v. Bonta uh, ammunition restrictions in the state of California. Um, all these cases are a little bit in different procedural postures based on what historically has happened with these cases. Uh, for example, 
the Miller v. Bonta case or the prior Miller v. Becerra case, which is the a challenge to California assault weapons laws or California Penal Code 30515. Um, when I say it's a challenge to a ban on so-called assault weapons, I know some people get upset with me using that terminology, but what I'm trying to refer to is in the state of California, there is a specific legal definition of a so-called assault weapon in the state. And that part of that can be found in California Penal Code 30515. Now, California Penal Code 30515 is, I said, a part of California's assault weapons ban because 30515 mainly deals with the characteristics bans in the state of California. The state of California has a classification of so-called assault weapons based on a firearm's characteristics, what type of accessories are attached to the specific firearm, um, and just the general makeup of the firearm. And that is what's being challenged in the Miller v. Bonta case. Now, the Miller v. Bonta case has already gone through uh, Judge Benitez in all three of these cases. Judge Benitez has already issued a favorable pro to a decision, but they were appealed by the state of California. Specifically, Miller v. Bonta uh, had a favorable decision. I believe it was a preliminary injunction, which was stayed by Judge Benitez, and then it went up to the Ninth Circuit. Now, Miller only went up to the three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit, and it was put on hold for other cases that were making their way through the process, primarily the Duncan case, and also the Supreme Court's upcoming decision at that time, which was the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin decision. Now, what ended up happening, as many of you are aware, with Bruin and the strong language in Bruin, there was a discussion of interest balancing and the two-step approach. Now, that was important for states like California and their laws because the state of California and the Ninth Circuit prior had upheld all of California's gun control laws, including the assault weapons ban, the magazine ban, and their ammunition restrictions using interest balancing. Essentially, the argument became if the state of California could put forward some sort of public interest, any public interest at all, then the court would uphold their laws. And that's what was happening a lot in the Ninth Circuit. Luckily for us, District Court Judge Roger T. Benitez was operating under the correct type of analysis, which really was a form of text, history, and tradition. So he had struck down Miller. He had struck down um, the ammunition restrictions in the state of California, the assault weapons ban, and also the magazine bans. But they were continually getting elevated to the Ninth Circuit, where the Ninth Circuit would then say, no, under interest balancing, under intermediate scrutiny, we think these are constitutional. Well, after Bruin, all that got changed. Like I said, all these cases are at different levels. Duncan originally made its way actually all the way up to Supreme Court and was kind of on hold at Supreme Court level pending Bruin. Once Bruin was issued, then Duncan was kicked back down to the Ninth Circuit en banc panel. The en banc panel in Ninth Circuit said, we do not want to address this issue at this time. So they kicked it back down to Judge Benitez. Same thing happened in Miller and the same thing happened with the Rody ammunition case. And then the battle essentially restarted at the district court level before Judge Roger D. Benitez. Benitez tried to expedite these cases as fast as he could, but the state of California kept saying, no, we need more time. We need more time to come up with historical evidence that's required under Bruin. We need more time to get these specific history professors that we want who will say whatever we want, who will kind of fudge the history and evidence however we want to justify these bans in the state of California. Because the reality is that Gavin Newsom and the state of California and the legislators who pass these laws really have no historical evidence for what's going on. At best, what they've been putting forward since these have been remanded is a bunch of discriminatory laws, uh, racial laws, religious discrimination laws, 
Um, and they've been putting those forward as a justification for these bans, which is absolutely hysterical to read um, that that is the best evidence that they have is these discriminatory laws or religious restrictions and, and laws like that. So that's what California has been wanting to do. They wanted to delay this. Judge Benitez in uh, December, I believe it was on December 12th, had a conference or essentially a, a hearing for all these cases uh, for Duncan, Miller, and Rody. And ultimately what he decided to do was give the state of California, uh, it was 70 days was all in all. Once he put together all the deadlines, it ended up being 70 days. Gave the state of California 70 days to essentially put together a spreadsheet of all their historical evidence to file their briefs in opposition and responses to some of the historical evidence that was put forward by the multiple uh, different plaintiffs and their attorneys. Um, again, huge shout out to uh, Michelle and Associates and CRPA, who's heading some of these cases, uh, John Dillon and FBC, who are heading the Miller Assault Weapons Ban case. Um, I always recommend that you guys go support those organizations, those attorneys and those groups that are actually fighting these fights. And so a lot of these cases are being done by CRPA and then John Dillon in association with FBC. So again, go support those groups. But so ultimately what ended up happening is most recently the deadline is essentially run up, uh, is run out. So all the briefs are filed. Um, all the papers that are required have been submitted to Judge Benitez. And now we are ultimately waiting to see how Judge Benitez rules on all these cases. Now, the reality we all know is that Judge Benitez has already struck down all three of these uh, laws. He's already found that the ammunition restriction, the ban on so-called assault weapons, and the magazine ban are, in fact, unconstitutional. And he did this even prior to Bruin. He did this even prior to Justice Thomas's opinion outlining text, history, and tradition very clearly and how that process works and how you need historical evidence dating back to 1791 and how history dating to 1791 is the main history that it's relevant and really anything before or after is kind of persuasive sometimes depending on how close it is, but is not always that relevant. It is really the history dating to 1791 and the ratification of the second amendment. Um, so that is what Thomas said in Bruin and Benitez already had used a form of text history and tradition prior, but now he really does have the Bruin decision and text history and tradition on his side. So the odds are, I mean, and Gavin Newsom recently came out anyways and said almost in a press conference that he's conceding that these are going to get struck down. And he's very upset about that. The attorney general, Rob Bonta, is very upset about that, saying that in some other issues also that his job is to defend the laws in the state of California and doesn't really care about the constitutionality of those laws. His job is simply to defend the gun control laws in the state of California, which isn't true at all. His job as the attorney general is to protect and defend the uh, Constitution which in, and the Bill of Rights, which includes the Second Amendment. So these gun control laws, he shouldn't be fighting in favor of them when we very clearly know that they are unconstitutional. But again, they're not going to do that because they are left-leaning, anti-gun, pro-gun control, and a lot of these laws are a direct response of things that they wanted. So that's kind of just the groundwork of how things had operated. You have Gavin Newsom again coming saying, coming out and saying that he thinks these are going to get struck down. Um, when Judge Benitez had prior ruled in some of these cases, you would then have Gavin Newsom and Rob Bonta come out pretty much berating Judge Benitez, calling him a radical, an activist for the gun uh, lobby, um, calling him essentially like an NRA shield and, and things like that. 
um, which was hysterical. Essentially, they were just throwing a huge hissy fit because he ruled appropriately. And during that time, they would also kind of berate him because he used an analysis that wasn't uh, necessarily what the Ninth Circuit said should have been used. Um, and so they were leaning heavily on that. But then, of course, the Supreme Court came out and said, well, no, the Ninth Circuit's been wrong all along. In fact, Judge Benitez was right. But even after that, then you had Gavin Newsom and Rob Bonta and all of them come out saying that, oh, the Supreme Court's wrong. They're radicals. They're activists. They are interracials also themselves. So anytime they lose any of these cases or it looks like they're going to lose these cases, they threw a, they throw a huge fit. And that kind of just leads to where we are at now with some of the things that are developing uh, recently this week. And a lot of you have been sending me this article. I was already aware of this article, but a lot of you were sending me this and also the tweet by Gavin Newsom. Um, and so this specific article, article that you're looking at here is talking about Judge Benitez. And it says a San Diego judge had a defendant's 13-year-old daughter handcuffed. Now the incident is under review. Like I said, I'm going to put up a dedicated video to this on my channel. By the time you're watching this podcast, I'll probably have that video up. But I just wanted to talk largely more about what is what's kind of going on here. What do I think is going on here? And what I think is going on here is, again, Gavin Newsom in the state of California are anticipating suffering a huge loss in these gun control cases. Um, they know that Judge Benitez likely, once again, is going to strike these down. And they don't like that. And they know that they don't have historical support to justify their laws. Uh, they know that the Ninth Circuit now going forward is going to be um, kind of having their hands tied because they cannot rely on interest balancing or intermediate scrutiny anymore because Bruin got rid of that. Now, that doesn't mean that the Ninth Circuit isn't going to find ways around that. I'm sure that they are going to come up some with some very weird analysis types to try to get around the Bruin decision. We've already seen that play out quite a bit. Um, we've seen arguments like specific items fall outside of the text of the Second Amendment. Sometimes you see arguments that uh, specific laws aren't touching on arms themselves. For example, we've already seen that in the Duncan case where they say that magazines aren't arms. They're simply accessories. They've said that in Miller also, that these are accessories and it's a restriction on accessories. Therefore, it doesn't touch the text of the Second Amendment because these accessories aren't arms. So we've already seen some of these arguments play out. They're trying to narrow the Bruin decision. They're trying to find ways out of it, as well as putting forward some very weird historical arguments. Um, but what's going on here is I think essentially, I think this is just a hit piece on Judge Benitez. And I think some of the actions that are being taken out, taken right now are simply actions to try to intimidate or to potentially remove Judge Benitez to prevent further pro to a decisions. Now, why do I think that this is simply a hit piece? And really, I want to point to one specific section, which I didn't get to elaborate a ton on in the video uh, that's going to get put up. Um, and really, it has to do with how this all started to come to light. Now, uh, for those of you who didn't watch the video or, or don't know about this incident, uh, I will also try to link to this article. But essentially, what ended up happening is in a completely different case, uh, Judge Benitez was having a hearing and it involved a father who essentially, I guess, had like a probation rehearing. Um, he had violated his probation. So there was some sentencing going on to determine uh, how much more uh, prison time he would potentially serve. And it ended up being uh, an additional 10 months, which 
was actually the recommendation of the father's attorney. Um, they had recommended some sort of leniency in only 10 months, which ultimately Judge Benitez agreed with and only gave the father 10 months when he could have given him more. But what ended up happening at this hearing was the Judge Benitez gave the father an opportunity to actually make statements um, in regards to some sort of leniency and to address the judge and kind of maybe give a heartfelt, heartfelt um, plea for why maybe there needs to be some sort of leniency. And the father talked about how um, he has spent his life kind of going down the wrong track, how in San Diego in the area, he is associated too much with old friends and people in the community that keep getting him in trouble. And he's just kind of on this uh, habitual cycle that keeps getting him in trouble and that he needs to get away. Now, during this discussion, he also mentioned his daughter and his daughter was in the courtroom with him. And he mentioned that his daughter was kind of following down his, his footsteps. She was just following in his footsteps and she was going down the same track that he was with the same type of people. Uh, it, it seemed like there was some sort of drug use that was implied that the daughter was also imitating um, and so when Judge Benitez heard that, he was obviously concerned about that because the father's bringing it up and the father seemed concerned about his daughter following in the uh, footsteps of, of him and potentially landing herself in jail as well. So Judge Benitez then called the daughter out of the gallery, which is kind of just the viewing area for people who are in the courtroom that you're not a plaintiff or defendant, called her up to kind of the stand next to the father's attorney. And was starting to ask her some questions and then ultimately asked the marshal there if he had any handcuffs and then told the marshal to put some handcuffs on the daughter. Now, essentially he was trying to do a scare tactic to the daughter, trying to make her realize the potential of her life. If she continued down the same track that her father was, that she would potentially land in handcuffs for real and end up in prison for real. And judge Benitez made some comments about how she seemed like a bright young lady with a lot of future ahead of her. But if she didn't correct herself, that she again would, look back on her life and realize that she spent years of her life in jail, just like her father and that her father is missing out time um, getting to spend it with her because he's in jail. And now he's going back to jail because he's doing the wrong things again and that she shouldn't follow in his tracks. Now, obviously the, the young lady was, I think she was like 12 or 13. Um, she was concerned about that. Um, she didn't obviously like being handcuffed. No one really likes being handcuffed and she's a young lady. And so she started to cry um, it didn't seem like the handcuffs were on her very long. Um, so the handcuffs were taken off her and then judge Benitez addressed her again after the sentencing. Now, what ended up happening is the attorney for the father ended up filing, um, a complaint against judge Benitez and essentially it's for judicial misconduct. Now there are a variety of things that can get filed against a judge for various types of misconduct. Um, but essentially here it's, I think it's just a general, allegation of, of judicial misconduct. Now, this then got referred to the chief judge in the Southern District of, uh, of San Diego, which is Dana Sabra. If that name rings a bell, bell to you, this because Dana Sabra is the judge in charge of hearing the Rena v. Bonta California handgun roster case, which is interesting. It kind of adds an additional layer to this whole story. So Dana Sabra then contacted Judge Benitez and notified him that a judicial misconduct complaint was filed against him and that it was being referred up to the Ninth Circuit, 
which is the the Ninth Circuit will overview whether or not uh, there needs to be some sort of action taken against Judge Benitez, uh, whether or not the entire complaint needs to be thrown out, or again, if some sort of action needs to be taken against him. What that action looks like, I'm not really sure. Um, I haven't been able to find really what the general repercussions could be, uh, but I would anticipate some sort of sanction against him. Um, maybe some sort of leave of absence as well. Some sort of forced leave of absence, I would assume also. is kind of in the Ninth Circuit's toolbox, I would assume so. So what ended up happening also, which leads me to believe this is kind of a hit piece against Judge Benitez, this article and this action, is when this was referred up to the Ninth Circuit, it went to the chief judge in the Ninth Circuit. Um, and her last name is Merguria. Again, if that name rings a bell, that's because Judge Maria was also on the Duncan v. Bonta en banc panel in the Ninth Circuit. And she actually found that Judge Benitez's prior decision in Duncan v. Bonta, the lower court decision that he issued, was incorrect. She believed that California's restriction on magazines that hold more than 10 rounds or their large capacity magazine ban was in fact constitutional. She believed that it was not a violation of the Second Amendment to restrict mag magazine capacity. She believed that there was some sort of avenue available to uh, California residents to have some sort of magazine. Um, they were allowed to have 10-round magazines, so she thought that was good enough under the Second Amendment. And also other judges on that panel agreed with that as well. And that's what ultimately led to that case then getting elevated to the Supreme Court. So that is the makeup of the judge who is re reviewing this misconduct or this claimed misconduct of Judge Benitez. Now, with all of this, the reason why I say this is a hit piece again is because this necessarily did not have to come to light. Uh, the complaint and these allegations did not necessarily need to come to light. It was an active decision by the Ninth Circuit chief judge here to release publicly that there was a complaint against Judge Benitez and that there was action going to be taken against him. Um, and hopefully I can find where it says here. So sorry about that. So here it is right at the beginning of the uh, San Diego Tribune article here. And it says, Maguria wrote in the order that she publicly disclosed the complaint against Judge Benitez in order to maintain public confidence in the judiciary's ability to redress misconduct or disability. So what that essentially means is that this Ninth Circuit chief judge actively chose to release this to the public. Uh, a lot of times there are reviews of misconduct for attorneys, judges, uh, the state. A ton of review happens all the time, but not always is it publicized. But for some reason, this one became publicized. And why would that be? Well, because Judge Benitez really is a controversial individual. Uh, Judge Benitez is an individual who the state of California doesn't like, who Gavin Newsom doesn't like, and who the Ninth Circuit and this specific judge probably doesn't like. And she's ruled against some of his decisions in the past. Now, he was, of course, um, correct, and the Supreme Court essentially proved that he was correct, and now he has another chance to review these decisions, essentially send it back to the Ninth Circuit because the state of California is going to appeal all these cases. They obviously are going to. They've already signaled multiple times that they're going to try to appeal these up to the Ninth Circuit. Um, and so now he gets to send this back to the Ninth Circuit and saying, 
I was right the first time. You can take a look at this again, but I was right. Now, like I said, California is already signaling that they're going to appeal these, and they've already been kind of trying to work up in some of these arguments about potential misconduct in these cases, Miller, Duncan, and Rody. They've been hinting at that maybe they're going to make arguments that he's engaged in misconduct in these cases, that he has not appropriately given them enough time to put forward their evidence required under Bruin and other arguments like that. They're probably going to char- argue that there is some sort of procedural errors that have occurred in these cases. And I think this article and what's happening right now against Judge Benitez is just another layer to that. They, If they can't specifically prevent him from doing something in these cases, they're maybe going to attack him in another way and try to get him removed or to prevent him from ruling these cases or ruling in any other cases that might come up. And I think that's really just what's going on here. I think that the state of California and Gavin Newsom and everybody knows what's going to happen. Um, and in what form that takes, we don't know. I think that's kind of another section we'll talk about here in just a second, kind of what, what to expect with some of these decisions and what to do. But, you know, to me, when I saw this first popping up, I was a little bit concerned because I think this again is a slimy tactic. I think that they are trying to now go down other avenues to discredit Judge Benitez. They've already done a ton of media campaigns against him, calling him every single type of name. Um, and now I think they're just trying to try or they're going they're attempting to try something new to potentially get some sort of action taken against him because of this claimed misconduct. Now, however you feel about this, you know, in my opinion, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with what Judge Benitez did. Uh, this is just my personal opinion. You know, I think right now in our society, we need a little bit of tough lessons like Judge Benitez gave this young lady. I think right now there are a ton of kids running around who don't have good examples, who haven't had those types of hard discussions, especially from someone in a place of authority. And I think what Judge Benitez did hopefully will help that young lady not follow in the footsteps of her father. And also sounded like the father himself was concerned about his daughter. Now, did he want Judge Benitez to handcuff the daughter? I doubt he thought that far. He was probably just playing on some emotion in the courtroom in regards to his sentencing, but I don't necessarily have an issue with what Judge Benitez did. Um, I Again, I think right now in our society, we need some tough lessons like that in some people in places of authority who can teach young individuals those types of hard lessons. So, you know, however you feel about that, that is the misconduct or the claimed misconduct that's being used against Judge Benitez to potentially take some sort of action against him. But I don't think it's an action specific to that issue. I think they're just mad about the Miller, Duncan and Rody cases. Now, like I mentioned, a lot of you are probably also concerned in this video about, okay, what maybe what does this mean for the Miller, Duncan and Rody cases now? I don't necessarily think this is going to impact those decisions in the way that the state of California wants it. If anything, what I really think is going to happen is I think Judge Benitez is going to be even more angry. Um, he's already been very um, angry with the Ninth Circuit's decisions in regards to the review of his prior decisions or his cases. He's obviously probably been very angry with Gavin Newsom and Rob Bonta in their comments. Um, about his decision and his rulings 
And also, it's not even just the state of California and the Ninth Circuit. I mean, when Judge Benitez issued some of those first rulings, there was CNN and a ton of other mainstream media sources that were attacking him. So I think really all this is going to do is really fuel him to be even more aggressive in his decision-making process and in the letter and the orders that he issues. Um, I, I was wondering maybe if Judge Benitez would not be super aggressive with some of his decision as far as the timeline, maybe uh, staying his judgment because he's done that in the past. But I think now with his decisions being remanded back down in light of Bruin and now actions like this being taken against him, I think it's very unlikely that he's going to stay his judgments. I think if anything, He's going to leave that up to the Ninth Circuit if they want to do. Obviously, the Ninth Circuit could put a stay on his judgment if they want, but I don't think Judge Benitez is going to do that on his own. And ultimately, I think what that's going to lead is maybe some sort of time period where maybe there's another Freedom Week or whatever you want to call it. Now, again, this is all speculation. Nobody really knows. We have to wait until we actually get the orders from Judge Benitez. But I think actions like this are going to have the reverse effect that Gavin Newsom and the Ninth Circuit were hoping. I think it's going to lead to something worse for them. Now, like I said, there might be some time period where maybe you can purchase magazines or modify your rifles or anything like that. And a lot of people ask me quite often, you know, potentially how could you prepare for that? And it's hard for me to say because, again, we don't really know what it's going to look like. But there are some easy ways you can really prepare. And I think one of the easiest ways specific to the Duncan case and the magazine ban well, just make sure you have money. Be financially sound. Don't go overspending. Um, have money in the bank. Go to websites that are credible, that uh, served California's gun community and gun owners during the first Freedom Week. There are a variety of companies. You can look them up online that did a good job. One of the ones that I used was Gun Mag Warehouse. They were amazing. They prioritized California gun owners, and then they got it shipped to California gun owners within the appropriate amount of time that was required. So companies like that online were amazing. Also, you probably want to scout out your local gun stores because there were local gun stores in my area and other areas in city of California who would not sell magazines to gun owners despite the ruling and everybody knowing it was legal. There were some gun stores that were kind of fuddy and, and wouldn't do it. So just know who those were. Don't expect that you can maybe just walk into a gun store or your local gun store and, and be able to purchase magazines. So yeah, just be financially sound. Know the websites that are going to serve and prioritize California gun owners, California gun owners. And then also maybe just have a wish list, put together a wish list of the magazine you want. Um, know the general amount that it's probably going to cost you. For me, you know, the first time I bought magazines in a bunch, a bunch, and then I also bought... Uh, magazines that I didn't even have firearms for at that time. So you also maybe want to think that far ahead just in case to get magazines, even for firearms that you don't have right now. Um, so that's one way you can prepare for the Duncan case. For the Miller case, you know, the really the practical way you, you can prepare for that is just to simply have accessories around, extra pistol grips. Um, if you have a fixed stock, just know how to take off that fixed stock or modify it so it's no longer fixed stock, flash hiders, whatever else you want, vertical foregrips uh, for when that decision comes down. You don't have to have a list of actual ARs or AKs you want to you want to buy. Simply being able to modify them again would be enough, uh, potentially depending on the time frame. And, and you're just preparing with basic cheap accessories is probably good enough in my mind. Um, 
And also just keep in mind, a lot of people overlook this. When it comes to, let's say, hypothetically, um, Judge Benita strikes down the assault weapons ban, and there's a time period where you could actually go purchase rifles. Well, remember in the state of California, we have a 1 in 30 law. And that 1 in 30 law restricts the amount of firearms you can purchase within any given 30-day period. That includes one handgun and or one uh, semi-automatic centerfire rifle. So you could only potentially purchase one rifle even if in the perfect situation, maybe one rifle if the Miller decision goes our way. So you're probably much better served in having those rifles being already and being able to be modified in a way that is outside of how we currently have them with fin grips and stuff like that. So that's probably the better avenue. Just thinking you can go buy a ton of rifles once a decision comes is just not how the law will actually operate. You'll be restricted. You'll only be able to even purchase one potentially. Um, and also another thing potentially keep in mind is, you know, with these cases now pending and we be, we are now waiting on a decision. Um, I've actively made the decision myself to not purchase any more handguns or rifles right now in case I run into that one in 30 restriction, just in case I want the ability. Because if I were to purchase a handgun right now or a semi-automatic rifle right now, and let's say next week, Judge Benitez issues a favorable ruling, then I couldn't go out and purchase something just because that one in 30 restriction and I could run into some timeline issues or some time frame issues. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Do what you want. Again, this is not legal advice. I'm not giving you legal advice, just giving you some things to consider and how I'm kind of thinking about this. You know, obviously if you want a specific firearm and it's available and you want to purchase it and you would want that above something else, that's your decision to make. I'm not saying don't go out and buy anything right now and to hold off on buying, but that's just something I'm considering. Um, more so not even necessarily for the assault weapons cases, but more for the handgun roster cases, because some of those cases are currently pending for a preliminary injunction or ruling by some of these other judges like Dana Sabra. So that's where I'm more concerned about wanting to be able to walk into somewhere and purchase something. And if I were to purchase something right now, I'd potentially be restricted. Um, for those of you who maybe are curious about what I would want to purchase right now, that's off roster. I would love to have a staccato. I've been, um, in contact with staccato reps before, and they wanted to send me out stuff and I can't take it because I'm in California. So I would love to have a staccato. So that's probably going to be one of the main ones on my hit list that I'm going to try to get, um, if the handgun roster goes away, but yeah, so that's just a quick, I just wanted to do a quick thing, California specific, because there's been a ton going on. A lot of people are concerned about that right now. A lot of people are asking me about that. And obviously when this Benitez thing popped up, a lot of people keep sending it to me in my emails and DMs and asking me to comment on it. And uh, that's what I really think is going on. I think this is nothing more than a hit piece. And I think it's an attack against Judge Benitez because of his pro to a decisions. Now, this is kind of more not for you guys, but for Judge Benitez, if he potentially ever watches this, you know, we gun owners in California appreciate what you have done. We appreciate your decisions. We appreciate your constitutional stance, even in light of your colleagues um, saying that you're crazy and the Ninth Circuit saying that you were going rogue and not doing the correct type of analysis. Obviously, you were right, but we in the state of California appreciate what you have done for us. Uh, we hope that you continue to earn that saint title that you've been given. Um, but yeah, despite all the actions taken against you, we appreciate uh, what you have done for us. 
Um, and we California gun owners and residents in California do not agree with what Gavin Newsom is saying against you, what Rob Bonta is saying against you, or what the Ninth Circuit is trying to do to you. So just kind of a quick rundown of what's going on in California. I wanted to make this podcast kind of quick and specific to those issues. If you guys have any questions, uh, comment down below in the comment section of the YouTube podcast. If you guys would uh, please leave reviews over on the audio forms, if you're on Spotify, Apple podcast, or Google play, you leaving reviews um, on the podcast actually helps the algorithm over there on the audio form and gets it surfaced to more people. Um, yeah. And subscribe to this channel here. If you're watching this on YouTube, because again, that does help the algorithm on YouTube. I have some really fun interviews planned. I think some interviews you guys are going to really enjoy with some very big personalities in the gun community, some very well-known personalities in the gun community. You guys can speculate down below who you think that is, but uh, I was surprised when I reached out to these people and they wanted to be on the podcast. Um, I, I'm really excited for some of these uh, interviews that are coming up. So stay tuned for that. And as always, thank you all for watching. And never forget, this nation was built by armed scholars and this nation will be maintained by armed scholars.